Good morning. Uh, my name is Michael. Um, I am one of the pastors here at the church, and we're very excited to have all of you with us this morning. And, and we are, if you haven't been with us, um, which some of you haven't, uh, because you're here because of the baptisms, nice to see you. Um, and uh, what we've been doing is a series entitled Unwrapped, digging into the miracles of Jesus. And the reason we've been doing that is twofold. One, I love the television show Unwrapped. It looks at uh, the history of different foods and snacks, and it looks behind things. It unwraps things, if you will, to discover the story behind and two, when I, when I look for things about the miracle of Jesus, there's not that much out there. there. There really isn't. There's a lot written about Jesus, but not about his miracles. And I, I found that kind of interesting and, and crazy. And I think a lot of it is because they're miracles. And miracles kind of give us this little, oh, I don't understand that, so I don't really want to talk about it that much, feeling. When in truth, there's some cool stuff behind it. So that's what we've been doing through, for the past few weeks. Uh, last week we did water to wine, and, and this week we are uh, doing Jesus and calming the storm in, in Mark chapter 4. If you have your Bibles up and up there, that's where I'm going. Uh, but first, a, a, a public service announcement from your good friends at New Heights. If you remember when we did an environmental series a few months ago, we handed you, we gave out these green plastic water bottles. Um, they were wonderful. We said, take them, don't use the, the throwaway bottles because that fills up our landfills and blah, 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 all that stuff, and it was good stuff. But, um, and use these instead. Uh, and then something's come up. I don't know if you, if you, like me, get all of your important information from the Gospel of Matt Lauer. Today Show, anybody fans? Okay, yeah. I watch the Today Show all the time. And they had a story on there that uh, said, basically, if you were using a plastic bottle Flip it upside down. Look at the number in the little recycled triangle. You know the triangle I'm talking about? There's always a number. If you have a number seven, stop drinking out of that bottle. Guess what the New Heights bottle have on them? I'll give you one guess. Yeah, they have a seven. <laughs> Apparently, uh, this stuff gives you cancer. But, you know, so does driving on Wednesday in the rain. You know, so everything gives you cancer at some point in your life. But we felt that because we gave them out to you, and some of you might be using them. I'm using two of them. August uses them. Daryl uses them. We all were like, oh, my gosh, what do we do? Um, your baby bottles, if you have children, that's another thing. But uh, we just want you to know and be aware of that, that uh, that story, that report is out there. We've given you the information. Do with it what you will. Uh, if you want to continue uh, using your bottle and say, I'm going to get cancer somehow, it might as well be through a New Heights bottle, um, go right ahead. Um, or if you just want to recycle, don't throw your bottle away, recycle it so that it can then be made into a number eight bottle somewhere down the line. And even more cancer. So uh, there you go. That is my uh, public service announcement. Um, on that note, uh, there was uh, something uh, right out here by the, by the uh, trailer, our um, Fishing Under the Bridge trailer. There is a new green and yellow Abitibi paper recycler. And I know a lot of us have curbside recycling at our homes, but you might not at your office. And if you want to recycle your paper and start a program, we'd love for you to come dump it here and uh, take care of that. The church has been has made a conscious effort to reduce the amount of paper that we go through and to recycle that that we do uh, because we generate a lot of paper material around this joint. Um, so I just want to like, let you be aware of that. And then the third thing I have to say is I don't even think I said it at 11 o'clock, but I did it at 9.30 last week, and I got some comments about it, so I will make a statement. I said last week something that led uh, someone to the effect, this is the time of year when Methodist pastors move. Um, Methodist pastors are on a connectional system. And every year you come up for movement and the bishop goes through, I picture it, a dark smoke-filled room and they have like playing cards with all the pastor's names on them, you know, and flip it over. What are his stats? You know, he's horrible at compassion, but he's a pretty good preacher. Okay. Um, and then they move them around the conference. Our conference goes from San Angelo all the way down to the valley. We have a huge conference. And this is the time of year when pastors are getting up in front of their people and saying, I'm no longer going to be here. 
um, and you bring up somebody, this is going to be your new pastor. I'm not going to, some, apparently something I said last week made somebody think that I was leaving. Um, we're not. Uh, Jen and I are going to be here uh, for the next two years. We're locked in. They can't move. I'm untouchable. I'm like Lee, Ness, Elliot Ness. Um, they can't move me for the t- next two years, so I'm here at least for uh, two more years. So if you're worried about that or happy about that, too bad. Um, you got me for the next two years. There you go. That's out there. Now back to Jesus. Goodness, back to the stuff we're talking about. Jesus and calming the storm. Now, this is, you know, you know the story. I know you do. You know the story of Jesus calming the storm. It's, it's one of those miracles. It's out there. It's talked about a lot. It's, it's in songs. It's all kinds of stuff. I want to talk today about what I think that story is really about. I'm going to kind of give you some background information, and I'm going to tell you what I think the story is really about because it might not really be about the calming of the storm. When I was in high school, I had the opportunity to uh, be a a page for the U.S. House of Representatives. I uh, flew, I was in high school in California, and I went over to D.C., and I was um, appointed by Congressman Don Edwards. And Don Edwards was, um, I I don't think he's still with us anymore, he was an extremely liberal Democrat on Congress. I mean, just way out there. And at the time, I had ditto tattooed on my arm. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ditto Rush? Yeah, I was hard right. You know, I, I was living in San Francisco area, and, you know, anything they told me, I was the other way, like country music, I was all about. You know, I was like, I'm from Texas. I'm not from here. And so I was like that. I even got in trouble one time um, in a local newspaper. They interviewed me, and I said uh, that I didn't support anything that Edwards had put through uh, Congress in the last year, and I got a call from his office. Um, we appreciate you talking to the press, but don't say that anymore. Uh, pretty much, I was like, okay. But when you get to the House, this is what happens. All the, all the Democrat pages are over on one side. At that time, it was on uh, stage left. It, it, if you're facing the speaker's table, it was on the left side. So we were all over there. All the Republican pages were over here on the other side. We lived in the same dorm, but we were separate. We, we kept away from one another. We hated the people on the right. We didn't like them. It was like this bitter rivalry between these high school kids who were serving the Democrat congressman and those that were serving the Republican congressman. It was like, I mean, a bitter rivalry. We would race to see how many things we could deliver. You know, oh, well, we got 120 today. All you got was 90. Losers, you're Republican. You know, and I mean, that was kind of the deal. And I was thinking about it. I'm glad that since 1990, I think was when I was there, I'm glad to see that Congress has really made an effort to come back together that there isn't that separation between Democrats and Republicans. You know, I'm glad to see that there's, you know, we're all one, basically. Yeah. I mean, seriously, are you sick of the election year stuff that's going on right now? Raise your hand if you are a little bit. Okay, yeah, some of you just don't want to raise your hand because you're lazy. But, yes, it is an election year, if you weren't aware. There's still a race going on. And Democrats and Republicans still don't like one another. And it's ridiculous. Sometimes I just wish, as I have grown up, I just wish that people would cross the aisle. Now, people say they do, but they don't. When August says it, or Daryl sometimes, when they say, greet your neighbor and and don't be afraid to cross the aisle, every time they say that, I kind of chuckle. I'm like, oh, if Washington, D.C. could hear this, don't be afraid to cross the aisle. They're just like you. It'll be okay. You know, we can get together. Sometimes crossing over, though, is hard to do. Sometimes making that movement, crossing over from one side to another, is one of those really, really difficult things for us to do. I think it's because we get so comfortable where we are. I think it's because we've built this world around us, and we put up these walls, and we said, this is my fiefdom, and I will protect it. 
And anyone who comes against it or speaks against it is my enemy. So we don't cross the aisle. We don't open up in communication. We don't talk to one another. And consequently, a lot of times nothing gets done. See, in Mark chapter 4, what I think Jesus is talking about is crossing over. Is crossing the aisle. Let's read it. If you got it, I'm at Mark uh, 4, chapter uh, 4, verse 35. And this, this is what has happened up, uh, up until this point. He's been doing this incredible teaching. He's just been going on and on about these incredible teachings, one after another, and people are just blown away by the, the wisdom. They've never had a teacher that could teach with this authority and with and this grace and this mercy come through. And he, I mean, it's stuff like the lamp, being the light of Christ, the mustard seed, all those great little nuggets that God gives us that just fill you up. And then after he does uh, the mustard seed, that night, this is where we pick up, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. He was already in the boat, so they started out leaving the crowds behind, although some other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm arose. High waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. Frantically, they woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you even care that we are going to drown? When he woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the water, Quiet down. Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. And he asked them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still not have faith in me? And they were filled with awe and said among themselves, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Okay, let me give you a little background information about the guys at this time, about the young men in the boat with Jesus. Some of them were fishermen, yes, but all of them were scared of the sea. See, it's something to this period of time, during this time, the sea was known as the abyss. It was the great evil. It is where evil resided. There was stuff that they didn't know about it. They were scared of it. They were fishermen. Yeah, but they never went that far from shore. To cross to the other side of the sea was crazy. You would go around. You would hug the shore and just do, 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 take you a long time, but you'd go around that way. To cross over was unheard of. Sure, some people did it, but not all people. They were deathly afraid of the water. So when Jesus, when they get in the boat, well, Jesus is already in the boat. He's like, let's go. They get in the boat with him, and he's like, let's go to the other side. I'm sure at that moment they were all a little scared. And then the storm comes. See, here's, here's the deal about geography around this area is there is such geography of mountains and valleys and all kinds of stuff that on the sea it can be a beautiful sunshine, bluebird day, and then just like that, the storms can roll in, the waves can get nasty, and it changes at a moment's notice. They knew that this was a possibility. That is part of the whole fear. And so here they go, setting out across the sea. I don't know if any of you have ever been on a boat when rough waves and rough weather has come. It's happened to me twice in my life. One, I was deep sea fishing with my brother. Uh, we, had, we were in California at the time, and we'd sail underneath the Golden Gate, and we'd go out there, and it's a great experience. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, you know, one of those just, whoa, you know, throw your hands up, whee. It was, you know, you could see a boat right next to you, and then it was gone. It was just water. And then 30 seconds later, hey, there they are again, and they're gone again. And, you know, as waves, they were huge, just enormous swells, really. And it just made me sick. We couldn't see land. I was just, oh, oh I, didn't, I didn't lose it. 
The only guy who did, he threw up twice and caught two fish. Only guy that caught a fish the entire day. <laughs> That's what you got to do, chum. Um, so, I mean, it was one of those things where I, I was really kind of nervous and scared, but I was on a big boat. The second time was I was in a small boat. It was a bass buggy. If any of those, uh, if you know what that is, it's a little bitty boat. And if you can picture me in one of those, it's like a, you know, a gorilla on a little car. Um, you know, so me, this big guy on a little bass buggy, and my wife, we went out to this lake uh, in Fort Worth, Eagle Lake. And we go out to this lake, and we're doing a little fishing. And it was just the wind was just blowing. There were all kinds of boats out there um, and, you know, jet skis. I don't like you people. But there's all kinds of people just, you know, creating these huge waves. And I got really scared. I was really actually frightened. I don't think I told Jenna this, but I was really scared because water was like coming over our little, you know, we sit this far out of the water in the first place and water was just coming over. And I was like, we're going down and I'm going to have to save my fishing poles, my tackle and Jenna and the motor. And, you know, I was, I was actually kind of worried. So we went back into these little, this little alcove where we were away from everything and we didn't stay but like 20 minutes, I think, because I was scared. I can't imagine what it must have been like to be these young men on this boat. Their greatest fear was coming true. They were crossing this thing that they had just, this, the abyss. And here come these waves. Their greatest fear, they were so petrified. And there's Jesus sleeping in the front. Dude, wake up! Jesus wakes up and he calms everything down. Now, that's cool, and that's amazing. And what does that show? It shows that God has power over anything. Over the greatest evil of the time, he has power over it. Bam, done. You have nothing on me. I am the Messiah. Calm down. No way it's calm. If you remember what happens, it's a pretty miraculous time period. And in the story, he goes across, and then Legion, remember the guy who's just infested by the, the legion of demons, comes to him. And he gets rid of those and sends them into the pigs. And then they leave. They go back across the water. You know, the disciples are like, seriously, we just got here. They'll go, go back across. And then two more miracles happen. The old lady reaching out to grab his cloak so that the bleeding would stop. And then the little girl that he brings back from the dead. There's miraculous stuff going on. But if you focus on those things, you miss what was happening. You miss what God called them to do. God called them to cross over the sea. He called them to leave their place of comfort, to leave their homes. They, I mean, these guys hadn't left this little square area in their lives. And Jesus says, let's get in the boat. And they're like, okay, cool, I'm, d- I'm down with that. Now let's cross over. And go to a place that most of them would never have gone except for Christ. A few weeks ago, some of us were in New York for a conference, a church conference. And it was, it's kind of a weird conference that we went to it's um it's 18 minutes uh for every speaker so every speaker's like bam 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 and you know this one guy gets up and he goes i only have 18 minutes i'm an old baptist preacher 18 minutes is my intro um so here is here it is right here and he gives us his main point and then i stopped listening i was like don't never give your main point up front dude i'm just kidding um and but there's all kinds of speakers that were uh, some were uh, believers some weren't believers um some were from scientific backgrounds there's this guy francis collins um, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of him. He is the head of the Human Genome Project. Yeah, if, you're, if your title is that, you're smart. Um, <laughs> I mean, he is the, when they introduced him, they said he is the smartest guy in the room, without a doubt. And he gets up there and he speaks about DNA, and they've sequenced the entire DNA structure of humanity. And he's a believer in Christ, by the way, hardcore believer in Christ. 
and evolution. It's a talk for another day. Um, and then uh, this other guy got up, uh, Kimball, who spoke about the environment. And then they had some non-believers. And one of the non-believers who got up, his name was Ibu. I don't remember his last name, but it was Ibu, his first name. I remember that because I kept following around people in my group going, Ibu. Um, like that surprises any of you. Um, and so Ibu gets up and he speaks, and he's a Muslim. And he got up and he spoke, and he said basically that we need to come together. Christians and Muslims need to come together in love, that love needs to be the basis and grounding of all things. I didn't agree with everything Ibu said. In fact, really, there wasn't much that I agreed with. But his main point, I do. He was saying we need to cross over. We can't be afraid anymore to cross the aisle and interact with people who don't believe what we believe. He came, very, he came down very hard on Christians he said some things that I thought were uh, very inflammatory. And, and, I mean, that was his, point, his purpose, was to be there to stir it up. Um, and he said some stuff that I just, you know, I, I couldn't get behind. He, the reason he, he started all this, he has this uh, thing called the Interfaith Youth, Youth Council. You ever heard of that? Interfaith Youth Council. And, and what they do is he started with this Christian uh, girl who was a friend of his. And he told a story about her that um, after 9-11, a Muslim temple in her area was burned down. Somebody burned it down. And she was, lived very close to it. And because she said, I was a believer of Christ, I felt compelled to go and help them rebuild their temple. Now, I don't agree with that, she said, because that's what Jesus would have done. I don't agree with that. I agree that Jesus would have been there, and he would have loved them, and he would have reached out and been concerned for them, because that's why he came, if you remember. He came to all people, the people that religion and church had cast aside, I mean, he got in trouble for it. The Pharisees were all over him because he would talk to prostitutes and tax collectors and the worst of the worst, people that had been kicked out of the temple, kicked out of the church. Jesus goes, you're the reason I'm here. You're the ones I want to reach. That's why I've come. I don't don't agree with all of what Ibu said, but I agree with the fact that we need to begin to cross over, that we need to begin to not be afraid of crossing the abyss, whatever that abyss is. We need to reach out to the Muslims, to the Jews, to the agnostics, to the Baptists, to the um, you know, atheists. Just kidding. But we need to reach out. We can't be afraid. Now, we can't water down what we believe. When I cross that abyss, I'm bringing Christ with me. And I'm bringing it, I am, you know, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm bringing that with me. But I still got to cross over. I still need to make that move to cross over the abyss. At last year's conference, one of the things that God really put on our hearts was kind of to do this. We didn't, I don't think I would have termed it in this way, but was to start a coffee shop in another part of town. And you've heard me speak about it before. It's called The Foundry. It's on McCullough and Wesatch, right on the corner there, McCullough and Wesatch, and and, and we've, been, we've been struggling to, to get city permits and stuff, and we finally got them, and electricians are almost finished, and the plumbers are uh, just about done, and, and, and we're really close, about three weeks out from opening up. And when we originally thought of this, when we originally started, you know, kind of thinking this, and God was moving on some of our hearts about this, what we thought was we would go into this community that is so vast and so varied. The population over there is just crazy varied. And we would go in there as undercover Christians. 
You know, we'd walk in with our coffee shop, and I'd have my little apron behind, and I'd say, you want a white chocolate mocha? Yeah, that's cool. And never tell them that we were believers. We were going to wait for that relationship to happen. We were going to wait for them to come in and come in. And, and I, like Bob, oh, I know Bob. Bob, you come in all the time, and I know that you want this drink. And, and, you know, here you go. And then Bob starts opening up to me, and finally I have this opportunity to go, oh, Jesus. But as we were over there, we started to think about it. And I was really convicted that that was kind of the wrong way to go. I mean, I've been over there uh, in the past few months uh, from time to time. I'm over there uh, most of the days of the week. And, and people from the neighborhood have come in, and they are so excited that we are coming there. They are so excited that they're going to have their own local coffee shop where they can hang out and get free Internet. And they are so pumped. The neighborhood's talking about it. They walk in. They're like, are you the owner? I'm like, yes, I am one of the owners. We're owned by 5,300 people essentially. But I just say, yes, I'm one of the owners. And I think that's taking away from God's call to us, from crossing the abyss and going into a community, a different place than we are. Maybe I should say, yeah, I am, but we're owned by a church. There's a lot of us. See, I think if we go in in an undercover kind of fashion, Undercover brothers and sisters. We miss the calling to cross over. So what we've been talking about and what I've really been praying about is, is maybe we need to go in and not be afraid of the fact that Christ sent us there. Jesus Christ sent me across the abyss. And there's going to be storms. We've already had storms that have raged. And he's there to calm them. But the fact remains that he still called us to go to the other side. He called us to go out there and to be the light of the world. Just what he had just been talking about before they cross over. To be the light of the world. You can't be the light of the world if you're not telling what the light is. So what we want to do is we want to make it an environment, not where you walk in and we're like, do you love Jesus? Because if you don't, you can't have coffee. No. We want to make it an environment where you can come in and have a conversation. You don't believe in God? You don't believe in Jesus? That's okay. I love you, brother. And let me tell you what. Over time, I'm going to tell you about him. And if you don't like it, sorry. That's why I'm here. That's why God sent me across the abyss. So we want to start a conversation in that community and bring in all those people. Bring in those artists that live around there. Those atheists, those agnostics, those Jews, those whatever, bring them all in, start a conversation, and talk about the community. We all want the community to be a better place. We all want our city to be a better place. We're all concerned about homelessness and hunger and the environment and all those different things. Let's bring together what brings us together. At the same time, though, let me tell you why I'm doing this. Because Christ sent me across the sea. That's what I think this coffee shop affords us, the opportunity to cross the sea, to walk in that miracle of Jesus Christ where he took young men and had them conquer their greatest fear in the name of Jesus. We're going to open in a few weeks, as I said, about three weeks hopefully is, you know, foregoing any more storms. And... I just want to offer to all of you the opportunity to come and to be a part of crossing the sea. To come, to cross the sea, and to be a part of the foundry.
I, I've sent, I sent an email out to the staff last week and said, hey, if you want to take some of your office hours and come serve and make espressos, great. David Menitsky said that he will never stand behind an espresso machine. I said, well, first of all, you can't say it right, dude, because he said he would break it. Um, he goes, but I can clean up. I can do dishes. So you might be frightened of technology. It's really not that hard. But there's a place for you. If you want to come and be a part of that conversation, if you want to come and be a part of God calling you out, calling all of us out across the sea, and maybe that's not the sea that he's given you to cross. Maybe there's something else in your life, another place in your life where you're able to do something extraordinary because God is on the boat with you. Whatever it is, remember that we've got to cross the sea. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for being the God of peace and mercy who gives us the strength to cross the sea when you call us to do so. You show in this example of this miracle on the sea that you are with us and that when those rocky times come and when those waves are trying to take us down, that you are there to give us peace and strength. Lord, help us all to find that abyss in our life, that sea that you desire us to cross and to have the courage and the strength to cross it. In the name of Jesus.